become misfortune. <laughs> I'm watching you. Hey guys, welcome to episode 46 of Macabre Misfortunes. You said, hey guys. That's what I said. <laughs> hey guys, you're an all-star. Get your game on. Go play. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Y'all. Well, Tracy, today we're going to discuss the Piper Alpha disaster of 1988. Okay. No, you're probably thinking, what the Piper Alpha disaster? I've never heard of it. Well, most people probably haven't, unless... They live in the UK. Oh. They probably know about it because that's kind of the area that it took place at. The Piper Alpha was an oil platform off the coast of Scotland. It was one of the most expensive man-made disasters to ever take place. That's kind of a downer. (laughs) It gets worse, obviously. It would result in numerous deaths and injuries. Now, this is a clear-cut case of a disaster caused by miscommunication. And we've had a few of those on here, from airlines Mm -hmm. to whatever. The Piper oil field was first discovered in 1973, and that's obviously off the coast of Scotland. Obviously. (laughs) Well, because I said that a while ago. (laughs) (laughs) Don't start with me, it's late. The oil drilling platform, or rig as it's also known, was completed in a four-year span, which is actually extremely quick for an oil platform. I don't know how long they usually take, but these things are huge. Yeah. On board the platform, you would find everything you would need to drill for oil, actually process it, and then pump it to a nearby island via a pipeline. Okay? Okay. They could also receive oil from other pipelines and then pipe that on as well for processing. So there were other rigs out there in this area. They weren't the only one. And those other rigs would get it, send it to them, and then they would process and send it on. So that's kind of the, they were like the big daddy of the group. So the employees would actually live on board the platform for weeks at a time. They had shared bunk rooms, a small kitchen, a pool table, and even a small theater to try to help them out when they did have some off time. Very nice. To maximize safety, the rig was divided into sections with fireproof walls and doors. By design, the living quarters was actually placed as far away as possible from the oil processing section. Probably a good plan. Yes. Now, once the rig was up and working, it was a a Mac Daddy of, of... Rigs. It was producing as much as 300,000 barrels of oil per day. Well, that's impressive. This rig also dealt with natural gas. Now, this was a product. Of the uh, people uh, eating beans. Of, no, no of part of the process of what they were doing with the oil, mm-hmm. it would create natural gas. And normally they would just uh, burn it off with mm-hmm. a flare. And you'll see this a lot of times if you go by. Uh, like in Ashland, Kentucky, there's big oil processing yeah. plants there. 
you'll see the flames. I know. We've seen those sh- several yeah, times. Yeah. Shooting up in the air. Or if you go by sometimes landfills where mm-hmm. they'll collect garbage and stuff, they'll gather methane gas down there and you'll see little flames uh-huh. to burn off the methane gas. So that's kind of just a way to get rid of it. But in 1978, the rig's owner, which was Occidental Petroleum, they got permission to actually process and export the natural natural gas. So now this made it even more profitable than what it already was. But this also meant that the gas processing equipment had to be retrofitted to the structure. And unlike the oil production equipment, this equipment was installed much closer to the employee living area. You can kind of see see where we're going. mm, Yeah, that doesn't sound like a... Great plan. I don't think there was many options. I think this was kind of like just because where this, they had... this wooden way that was originally designed, so they mm-hmm. had to put it in afterwards. So it's like, eh, this is where it can go. Yeah. All right. On July 6th, 1988, All Hill was about to break loose. And I'll tell you about it right after this quick sponsor break. All right, Tracy. On this day, one of the two pumps for the natural gas was taken out of service for maintenance. The engineers were working on the pump, but they were unable to finish it in one sitting. So they capped off the pump with a metal plate that was hand bolted, you know, hand tightened, bolted yeah. and hand tightened. The engineers then filled out the appropriate paperwork to let the next shift know that pump A should not be used under any circumstances. Now, ideally, the engineers would have handed that paperwork to the manager at the beginning of the next shift. Which, first of all, I don't understand. They live in the bathroom for reading. I don't understand why they couldn't finish the job. I understand you, you know, you're you're probably off, but you would think there would be another group that could complete that mm-hmm. soon well, after. Of course, but they didn't. Yeah, to make sure it was thoroughly taken care of. Right. You would think, like I said, you got people working around the clock that live yeah. there. You would think that there would be somebody that could finish it instead of waiting. Anyways. Like you said, the ideal thing would have been to give it to the the manager. But the manager was busy. So the engineer that filled out the paperwork just left the paperwork in the control room. Stop. At 9.45 p.m., pump B failed. Now, because it it, it failed actually because of ice buildup. Okay. So it must have been, you know, obviously it was. So he just wasn't thinking and went ahead and did the. Well, he Pump didn't know a. he didn't know any different. So what he did, well, first of all, I want to tell you about this. This pump was the only source of power to the whole rig. So they had two pumps, but because that one went, the first one went out, that only left this one. You didn't have a backup. And when that went out, they only had thirty minutes to restart it, or there would be a complete power failure in the whole rig. Oh, so the manager. The shift manager actually checked through the paperwork that he had, and he did. He saw that everything looked to be okay because he didn't have that piece of paper. It was left in the control room. Mm-hmm. So in his paperwork, he didn't see anything saying there was an issue. So he turned pump A back on. Now, of course, this was not safe by any means, but the paperwork was not seen. And because of this, the metal plate that was capped off on the pipe was not easily visible to see. So he kind of did a look around to make sure, but you couldn't see that little pipe capped off. Uh-huh. So not only did not have the paperwork, but you couldn't really see the pipe. So 
kind of two different ways. There was a double uh, way of checking besides the paperwork. You also checked it out visibly. Right. But he couldn't see it because it was just minor. So, like I said, he turns on uh, the pump at 9.52 p.m., so seven minutes later. As gas entered the out-of-service pump, it caused a pressure buildup because the cap was on it. Good Lord, and it blew. Which ruptured the temporary plate. Gas escaped and set off multiple alarms. Now, unfortunately, before anyone had a chance to respond, this caused a massive explosion. It ripped through the control room of that rig. And we mentioned that the walls between the sections were fireproof, but they were not blast-proof. Okay, so let me go back for a minute. So how long after the seven minutes did it take it to go? I didn't see how long it took, but it didn't take long. Uh-huh. It didn't take long. I think within a couple of minutes. Oh, wow. Well, I mean, you think about it. If you had a car that was running and you stuck a banana in a tailpipe, huh. it would... Okay, <laughs> now, no. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know. Banana in a tailpipe. <laughs> oh, I can't get it. <laughs> but, if you stuck a, but if you stuck a banana in a tailpipe, it wouldn't take long for that to build up. Right. Same situation here. It's basically capped off. You got stuff running and it's got nowhere to go. So it wouldn't so take long at all. Definitely build up for sure. Gosh, that's so scary. It was horrible. So for the workers in the nearby living quarters, they were completely knocked off their feet. Or for the ones that were in bed, they were the blast actually knocked them out of their beds and onto the floor. Unfortunately, the many workers that were in the control room were killed instantly. Oh. This was horrible on a few levels. In any other emergency, the workers in the control room would have been the ones to initiate an evacuation. But in this case, yeah, I got to they first. were wiped out and there was nobody to do that. The rig was also equipped with an automatic fire suppression system. These systems actually would draw water from the ocean and would spray on the flames. Mm-hmm. But... <laughs> They were temporarily turned off so that divers could carefully carry out some maintenance that was in the water earlier that day. Everything is working against them. This is just horrible. This meant that there was little chance to fight the flames that were totally engulfing the platform at this time. There was an evacuation, but it was very chaotic, as you can imagine. Some were able to actually get into some lifeboats. Others were forced to jump into the water. Now, I mentioned how massive this thing was. The height of the platform was the equivalent to a 40-story building. Oh, my gosh. Are you serious? Right. So many of these people had already put on life jackets hoping to get into a lifeboat, and when they couldn't do it, they had to jump, which meant they had to take their life jackets off to jump because if you tried to jump from that distance with a life jacket on and you hit that water, that could cause... Major, major damage to your body. I mean, think about 40 stories. A building, a building, not even imagine 40 stories oh high, and you're jumping into the water. Aww. If you had that thing on, you would be like hit like concrete. Yeah, those poor guys. Even those who reached the surface weren't safe. Oil collected on the surface of the water and burned. So even the, so and the I said ocean surface, was on but fire. I meant the surface of the water. But I know what, I mean. what you're saying. So the ocean was on fire. Yes, the ocean the was on fire too. And burning debris was also starting to fall into the water because this thing had cranes and everything else on it. There was also secondary explosions happening on the rig. In one area, 
burning oil actually dripped down onto a platform that was used by divers. It sounds like there's a thousand of these little things. Now, this is a metal grate to where, you know, obviously, if stuff's hit, it should go right through the grate. Through the hole, yeah. And go through the hole and go to the water. But. <laughs> what they close off this time? They had actually put a rubber matting over around on that over oh, top of it Lord. to uh, actually prevent the diver's feet from getting damaged. And because of that, all this oil and stuff dripping just gathered and caused this major major hot burning fire it was just destined for this to happen and and that heated up a pipeline causing another explosion a semi-submersible vessel by the name of theros was actually nearby and was able to pull some people from the water it tried to actually fight the fire with their onboard water cannons but they had to be very careful because this thing, these things were so powerful, if they actually hit a person with it, it would probably kill them. Mm. So they had to be even careful about using that. Also nearby was a ship named the Sandhaven, which actually launched a little small motorboat to pick up survivors. It was able to pick up six survivors from the water. But as it got closer to the rig to pick up some more survivors, it was destroyed by a secondary explosion. All six rescued men and two crew members from the Sand Haven were killed in the explosion. Why in the hell? They're just not going to catch a break. On board the rig, workers had actually gathered in the living quarters, and they were surrounded by smoke and flames, as you can imagine. And you could hear, and you can feel and hear the rig starting to creak and give away. Mm. survivor bill clayton actually said this somebody survived oh there was people that survived 60 some people now see that's part of what i was going to give away at the end now you made me cheat and give some of it out anyways sorry bill clayton said i remember looking around us everything was burning even the cranes the helicopter deck which was on the very top, obviously, mm-hmm. as you can imagine, yeah. but there's a big helicopter deck. He said it was the only option. Seven or eight of them actually made it up to the helicopter deck. They were looking down at the people below and that, that were in the water and on the deck below. And he said they would wave up and, and, and we would wave down, but we couldn't do anything for each other. We just basically acknowledged that, that we were there. So he was actually looking down when another fireball below just kind of engulfed him. He said he fell back and everybody went in different ways. He saw two guys holding on to each other, Mm. running from the smoke, and another guy that was just staring straight ahead. He said he looked at him and he says, dude, you have to move. But he said he just kept staring straight ahead completely still. Bless his heart. And then I guess another explosion happened. He said the last thing he remembered was waking up, floating face up in the water with a huge fire above him. He said he knew that he had to get away from that part because stuff was falling in the water. Well, I was going to say, I mean, how far out did the other guys have to swim to get out of that oil and stuff? I'd imagine pretty far. Oh. But he said, so he starts swimming, and he kept going until he found somebody else in the water. He said he grabs the, the, the guy, and he starts talking to him. They're kind of, He's kind of chatting to the guy and everything. And he said they they were just floating in the water, and they eventually they found a boat, 
And he helped pull this other guy into the boat. And that's when he realized that that guy had been, that he'd been floating with was dead <gasps> and had been dead all along. It just hadn't dawned on him at all that as he was talking to this guy, this guy was not talking back. At 11.50 p.m., the platform collapsed and sank into the North Sea. The search for survivors continued until the next day. The search for bodies continued for weeks. In total, 167 people died and there were life-changing injuries to almost all 61 survivors. Oh, I'm sure. It took three weeks for the fire to be fully extinguished. That is crazy. The investigation that followed revealed that there was a series of issues that um, kind of complicated and worsened the disaster. One of the big issues was that the nearby rigs, the other ones I told you mm-hmm. were pumping oil to it, none of them had the... Uh, I guess, go ahead or didn't realize they had to go ahead to stop pumping oil. Mm-hmm. So even though this thing was burning. They kept pumping. They kept pumping oil. And obviously this kept feeding the fire because they were still, they eventually stopped. But I mean, they immediately, they didn't stop. Well, wait, even though they saw the fire, they, they still kept pumping? They weren't, remember, they're not all right next to each other. They're in that. They're in that vicinity, but they're not like, you can't look at, be at one and see the other one. Oh. It's a big, vast area that they're at, but. So yeah, yeah, but you think you could see something. Well, that... I'm, I'm sure you could probably see the smoke and stuff, but they probably didn't realize, realize what it was. Realize what it was? Oh. Could have been anything. The rig's owner, Occ- Occidental, that we talked about earlier, was criticized for having, um, I guess, very lax safety and maintenance processes but they had no charges filed against them. The disaster did lead to some good things, though. There were over 100 different recommendations that were made uh, to fix operations in the North Sea industry overall. And part of that was more worker training and uh, more ways to have clearer communications. The main thing that actually came out of this that was most beneficial was the forming of the Health and Safety Executive. That's an organization whose sole responsibility was safety Mm -hmm. on these rigs and stuff. So kind of like OSHA would be here in the U.S. Previously, it is actually managed by the U.K. Department of Energy, and they were in charge of both safety and productivity. And that's not a good choice by anyway, because if you're in charge of productivity and safety, you still might. Yes error on the side of productivity uh, oh, yeah. and cut some corners. Yes. But these this executive uh, branch was actually just set up strictly for safety, so their focus was on there. On the third anniversary, this is our little tidbit fact. On the third anniversary of the disaster, a memorial statue that actually had three oil workers was set up in Aberdeen. Oil extracting still takes place in the Piper oil field and the Piper Alpha has been re- replaced with a more modern rig called the Piper Bravo. So, and it's still functioning today. I mean, I'm glad that that part of the good came out of it, but all of it could have been prevented if he had just saw the paper. Yeah, that's so I said, it. 100% on communication. Mm. And and what do you think? If the, I don't know if that guy actually was one of the survivors, but could you imagine if he was just thinking, 
all this happen yes. because I just didn't make it a point. I, I would have to think that's a serious enough issue to where it don't matter how busy the manager is, the shift or that shift manager, you find him and say, I know you're busy, but yes, of course. this is a major deal. Oh. You have to know this. Hmm. And I'm sure if he lived... That probably haunted him every oh, day the rest I, of his life. Oh, can you imagine? Yes. Ugh, what a just disturbing story. Terrible. So, anyways, that's our story for this week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're never good. I know they're never good. I, I just just want a happy ending. Just maybe once. We did that a couple weeks ago. Well, we did. That's true. So... Well, we love you guys. Thank you guys for hanging with us. We appreciate y'all. Absolutely. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye.